0: You picture that perfect you stay for a couple days you take this baby home yeah you may be up during the night with them and not sleeping tons but it's bliss you have got a new baby boy and that didn't happen for me
1: hi we are colleen and colleen and we have made it our mission to spread kindness and make everyone feel like they belong So each week, we will share real-life stories, motivating insights, and helpful tips that will inspire you to live a kinder, happier life. We believe that together, we can make the world a much better place. Are you in? I'm in. Let's do this. Welcome to the You Fit Here podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to You Fit Here. This is CS, and today I have a very special guest with me. Her name is Mandy Long. And I would like to start off this episode by just telling you that um, it is about losing a child. And I fully understand that it may be a trigger for some of you. I just want our audience to be aware of that before we begin. I think as much as hearing some of this may pain you, you will also walk away from this being very inspired by this wonderfully strong and beautiful person. I am so blessed to call my friend. So welcome, Mandy. Thanks. Thanks for having me. You're so welcome. We've been talking about this for months, so now the time is here. And so I, this is about your son, Crew, but it's also about the beautiful blessings. Um, even after he left this earth, Still remain because of him and in honor of him. So I just want just wanted to introduce you and and just you know let everybody know Mandy's had a rough go. Obviously, it's been I cannot believe this. I had I had it off a year, but it's been three years. This coming September, so two and a half, a little more years ago, Mandy lost her son Crew. And I want to start by saying that in the hospital. Oh so he is number 3. You have Charlie and Cooper and then baby brother Crew arrives and everything pregnancy-wise and then even in the hospital. Good to go, normal, everything's great.
0: Yeah, so for the most part I was I was thinking about this last night. Um so during my pregnancy with Crew, there was one point where I remember my OB saying your, you know, your HCG levels uh, when you're pregnant, um, they were going up, but they weren't doubling like they usually do. So I remember him doing, you know, a whole bunch of extra like labs and doing an ultrasound, and we heard the heartbeat. Um, and he, he was like, you know, that makes me feel a lot better. He's like, we're just gonna, we're gonna go and be cautiously optimistic with this. And I, you know, had lots of non-stress tests. Everything was fine. So induced with crew, just like the other two, um, always big babies. So crew was nine pounds, eight ounces. He was a healthy baby boy. Everything, everything looked good. Um, there was one point postpartum where I remember talking with some of the nurses who I knew because I worked at that hospital. Previously, and we were a little concerned with cruise feeding at one point. Which now, looking back, that seemed like the end of the world. And now, looking back, that was such a little thing in the big picture of what you know we ended up finding out and enduring um, with him. But um, he was more lethargic than I remember Charlie and Cooper being, and just really not interested in eating that much. And for a nine pound eight ounce. Boy, it was a little little surprising. But postpartum, we, the nurses and I, kind of had to push hard at certain points to just have it investigated a little further. And after, I think three days, we finally, you know, they finally said, "Let's let's take them to the NICU and just do a, a some more, run some more tests to kind of see." if we've missed something, you know, if there's something going on here. Um, And we did during that NICU stay, we did end up finding out that he's a silent aspirator. So instead of, you know, taking in food and milk and like going the natural way, his, some of it was dumping into his lungs essentially, uh, which is not good at all. So he did come home with an NG tube, a nasogastric tube, Um, which is just down the nose through the mouth. And again, at that time, I thought that was the worst thing ever. You know, how, how am I taking this healthy, you know, baby boy home with this thing taped to his face? And I was, it's so bad, but you know, I'm like, what about our pictures? We were going to get taken, you know, now he has this thing on his face and I mean, you know, that was just my concern at that time. And again, you know, now looking back, it was so not important. Um, but you know, you just picture, I think you picture, and especially already having two kids previous to crew, you picture that perfect. You stay for a couple of days, you take this baby home. Yeah. You may be up during the night, you know, with them and not sleeping tons, but it's, it's bliss. You know, you have got a new baby boy, and that didn't happen for me, and that was the plan. So that that was a hard pill to swallow. At that point, I remember um, really having trouble; like things didn't go perfectly according to my plan.
1: Right. It kind of sounds like, in hindsight, obviously you're having these thoughts of. I mean, I can't believe that that seemed like a big deal, but at that time, it was a big deal because you you didn't anticipate there being issues and then it just kind of trickled in, into these uncertain inc- uncertain things, it, it, I mean, at least from the outside. Um, so, I mean, after having a baby, as a woman, you're, you know, overwhelmed emotionally and you're physically exhausted. So I can't imagine not ha- knowing, like, what's going on with my baby. Do you feel like there was a point when, you know, he comes home with the G-tube – Between that and then knowing like, okay, this is, do you remember it being like a definite point or was it a very slow and gradual, there are lots of things going on here that we don't know?
0: Um, Very, I'd say very slow and gradual. Um, It really, and I almost think that it had to be that way, if that makes sense. I think, I don't know that I would have made it through if, if God would have hit us with everything we ended up finding out about crew, like all of the medical issues he had. I think if we had known that from, you know, day one or that, you know, first week or first two weeks, I, I don't know. I don't know that I could have handled that. You know, I think finding out pieces as we went was kind of letting us, you know, kind of wrap our head around okay there's a feeding issue okay now they're they're saying something about seizures okay now we know you know his spine there's there's issues there now we know there's some breathing issues so i think if all of that had happened at once i and and being a new mom and you know having all those hormones and um emotions and lack of sleep i I don't know that, I just don't know how we would have gotten through that. So I think God helped guide us and just kind of gave us pieces as we went so we could kind of manage through that and then kind of learn another thing and manage through that next piece.
1: Yeah. Before we started recording, I just wanted to verify with Mandy that technically Crew was undiagnosed technically, Mm -hmm. overall. And Mandy shared something with me and then said that she had a couple thoughts about that. So I wondered if you might share those thoughts.
0: Yeah. So Charlie, my oldest, and I were actually talking about this the other night. And my mom said something, which at the time, it kind of sounded totally crazy, but it made sense too, even though it sounded crazy to me. So right after Crew passed away, My mom said, and to rewind a little bit, my grandma, my grandma Chrissy, so my mom's mom, always called crew a little slice of heaven from like day one. She called him a slice of heaven. So after crew passed away, my mom said, Mandy, I really can truly see crew sitting there. She's like, I can just picture it. All these little like angels, like baby angels sitting there, and you know, God saying, I'm gonna need someone to go, go down. And this is the family you're going to be, and you're not going to be there very long. And this may sound totally crazy because it kind of does as I'm repeating it, but that he was almost sent here for a reason. And it wasn't to have a diagnosis. It was to be crew and to be one of a kind. And there was a bigger picture than what his diagnosis was. That wasn't what it was about. It was to bring, to teach us all of these things and, you know, to show us love. And he never, he never actually spoke a word, but he still somehow spoke so much to all of us and everybody that met him, you know, could feel, I don't even know how to describe it. You know, it wasn't words, um, but it's just a feeling. He just, brought pure joy and like happiness to you, even with all he endured, you know, he brought that. So after my mom said that, I've always been like, that's absolutely who crew is. Like I could see him being a little angel and like volunteering to go down and to bring love and joy and happiness, even through enduring, you know, these, these painful and super you know, hard medical things that he went through. Um, so that might not make a lot of sense to people, but um, I don't know. It 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 just rings true to me when I when I think of that.
1: I I really love that. I remember seeing Crew in his stroller. You know, wherever I saw you, and when you were saying like just this feeling, I remember that thinking like, what an innocent angel. And I just like a sense of peace because I don't know what all he endured. Only you and only crew and only God. No, truly. But he never showed signs of anything that would make you like, I don't know, like be angry. He was just a sweet little angel.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) So I I love that.
0: He really was. And, And, and it goes back, you know, before we even knew, um, a lot, my grandma saying, you know, he's a slice of heaven. I'm like, he he truly is. Like, he truly is. He's like part of heaven, you know. That yeah. He had to go
1: back to make the yeah. whole
0: cake. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> it just, I don't know. It all kind of like pieced together and made sense, you know. Yeah. When I when my after my mom said that, I was like, you know, I I can see that, and I feel I feel that that is true, and it makes me feel better too to think of it that way so
1: yeah well from his obvious days early days coming home and not having a diagnosis did you always know that he wouldn't be with you for as long as obviously a parent hopes a child will be with them
0: um so that's that's a really good question and I've thought about that too I don't think and I don't know exactly why, but I never, I never truly thought he probably would be here as long as uh, what you would think of a typical lifespan. Um, I don't think I ever thought, yeah, crew's going to be in his 80s, but I don't know that I ever let my head go completely there to think that he was going to be a child when he would pass away. I think I thought, Yeah. It's going to be different and it's going to be hard, but that we would have him, you know, I kind of even pictured him as like a teenager and like how that would look and would we have, what we would have to do to modify our house to like accommodate him um, because he didn't, he didn't talk and he didn't walk and he didn't sit up unassisted. So there would have been a lot of things we would have had to change or modify. And we were even actually that summer before he passed away, we were meeting with a whole bunch of therapists kind of talking about car situations because he was getting older and he was still like 30 pounds or less. But he got older, carrying him and picking him up and in and out of the car and all the doctor's appointments, that was going to get harder. Um, So what, what kind of vehicle or what we would need to do to our vehicles to be able to take him places and wheelchairs and all that stuff. But we didn't, we didn't, we didn't get through all of that. And now looking back, obviously I would much rather have him here and I would do whatever to have him here. But looking back, I'm glad that kind of didn't get farther than the first steps that we weren't in the middle of doing all of that. Cause I think it would be, you never forget, but I think, you know, if we had modified our house and cars and stuff, I think that would be even more of a reminder um, that he's not here. So I think it, as weird as this sounds, I think it happened right when it was supposed to and right when it needed to.
1: Well, and you saying that makes me think about, you. Know, I don't know what that would have been like. I, I cannot imagine what that must have felt like, but there was always a glimmer of hope. It Mm -hmm. sounds like you were making plans and, and and you saw a future for him. And how hard would it be if you didn't? I mean, I don't know. That's a different avenue that people go through. But for you, you had, you had the hope and he was such a piece of love in your life. I, I, I wouldn't have imagined it being any other way. Right. He literally defied
0: the odds on so many things that I totally respected all his doctors and he had amazing, amazing doctors. Um, took It took a second, you know, we had to kind of feel people out and without a diagnosis, that's hard for a doctor to really be able to predict or kind of put him into a category because there wasn't really a category, but he was on hospice before the last time and graduated. I just feel that he, there were so many times I was told something and crew, he would just be like, nope, I'm nope. I'm going to, I'm going to show you, I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm going to figure this out and I'm going to do it. So I don't know, maybe that's why I always did have that hope or if I just needed to have that hope, uh, or maybe a little of both, but he did, he did defy the odds many, many times in the three years, so.
1: Well, I'm obviously I'm glad that that's a part of of your memory of him because who doesn't love a little fighter who yeah. can't speak but just speaks by living, you know, just being this light for others. So I think that's so cool. So your your boys now, obviously it's been almost 3 years, mm-hmm. but when Crew was here, I imagine it was kind of like since he never was mobile and he never really talked, it was kind of like well, our baby brother is our baby brother. Right. And how did they interact with him?
0: Uh, They were so protective of him. Um, I remember Charlie would come home probably like the last year, maybe a little bit more than the last year of Crew's life. We had a nurse that was here pretty much every day and most of the day, every day. And she just helped me. I mean, Crew... Crew sometimes was a two-person job, so even me, you know, pulling meds and talking to therapists and calling and making appointments, and she would be doing breathing treatments or whatever what needed to be done at that point. But they would get dropped off and they would come in the door, and their first place they would go. It didn't matter what was happening. Didn't matter if he was in the middle of a breathing treatment or he was having a bad day and was having, you know, some seizure activity or didn't matter what was happening. Their first stop after I made them wash their hands was straight to crew. Like, didn't matter. Nothing mattered. They just wanted to see their little brother. And I always allowed that. Some people I think would be like, oh, stay back. You've just been in school and crew's already compromised. Don't get too close. But that was their brother and they needed that. And I think, I mean, he lit up every time they got like down next to him, he, I mean, he was so happy. So I'm, I would never, never take that away. And I, I think it was amazing to see as a mom, they loved him so much. And he just, you could tell he just loved them back so much.
1: Do you remember, did they ask questions or was it just kind of like, we take it as it comes as a family and Do you remember that? They never really, I mean, God
0: love those boys. They really, they saw and heard and experienced a lot for their ages. So Charlie was not even quite seven when crew was born and Cooper was not quite five. So, you know, I mean, they were pretty young and to kind of see their baby brother coming home with a feeding tube. And then he had lots of different surgeries and lots of different tests and lots of hospitalizations and just people in and out of our house all the time. And it was always about crew. And they never, never, ever said anything like, gosh, why is it always about crew? Or they never, I think they just were like, this is our brother. This is the way it is. And Mom's taking care of them, and these people that are coming in and out are helping to take care of them, and if he needs to go to the hospital, then they'll take care of him too. You know, they just really went with the flow. They never, never, like, faltered or had any questions. I, I mean, they just really were amazing through it all, because I, as a kid, I'm sure I would have had some questions what was going on, but they just... I think they knew, well, I hope they knew um, and trusted that I was going to figure out what we needed to figure out for crew. So I think definitely they felt good about, uh, you know, mom and dad taking care of what needed to be taken care of.
1: Right. Well, I mean, so many hats off to you guys and, and all of that. You guys, as a family, obviously endured it all together and one day at a time sort of thing but what would you say because as you said earlier he came down to to teach you guys things and you listed a few of those things but as a family what do you think you learned as a family going forward after losing him
0: well i would say um the obviously losing a child is in my in my experience in my life is is has been the worst experience. Not crew being the worst, it's just after going through that, the emotions, the grief, trying to help your family through that. Everybody's on in in different places at different times, but I would say that after losing crew it was very difficult to know and to help, I guess, Charlie and Cooper. I didn't really know their little boys. I didn't really know what they were experiencing. They're going to school. They're both very different. So, one may want absolutely no attention and want to just blend in with the crowd, and the other may want some kind of attention, but not necessarily because their brother died. And so that, that, And it still remains, that's a very tough thing um, to kind of maneuver and um, work through. I will say that now that we're approaching three years, definitely still good days and bad days, but I feel like it's gotten a little easier. And I think it's just because we've worked through some things and we've all been, like I said, I may have a bad day, but that doesn't mean that Scott's having a bad day or that Charlie or Cooper is having a bad day, but that's hard when one of us is um, because we're all just at different places at different times um, totally. with different feelings and emotions. I I have said to Charlie before, probably won't like that I'm talking about him so much, but, <laughs> but uh, I've said, he'll say, you know, if he's having a tough day, he'll say, You don't understand what it's like to lose a brother. And I'll say, you're right, buddy. I have no idea what it's like to lose a brother. I don't. You know, I I know what it's like to lose a son, but that's, that's different than what Charlie experienced and what Cooper experienced and even what Scott experienced. We've all experienced things at different times and in our own way, and that's okay. I've really wrapped my head around that I think in two and a half years is that I don't need to go down the same path as maybe a friend who who lost a child you know I need to go down my own path and in my own way and in my own time and same for Charlie and Cooper and Scott we all had crew but we all are different people and we all need to experience those those good and those bad
1: days and at different times. That's really beautiful to think about. And I know that that's really hard. I also can't imagine, because you mentioned you had a nurse, and I know you have family and friends who probably wanted to help and did when Crew was with you. And so with your days being as busy as they were, just maintaining his health and then losing him, that's like relearning how to sort of live again, isn't it? A hundred percent. Yeah.
0: Um, I really struggled with that. Um, I was working when crew was born, I was working a full-time job as a nurse recruiter downtown at Eskenazi. And as he got, you know, as we found out more and his health became, um, more unpredictable essentially and you know, in and out of the hospital. My coworkers and boss, everybody was wonderful always to to me and to us. But we got to a point where I just needed to stay home. Even with a full time nurse, I still needed to be home because the care was just too great for me to not be here. And so I went from working a full time job to crew being my full time job essentially, which I wouldn't have any other way. You know, I'm so glad, honestly, I'm so glad I had all that time with him because we didn't know how long we were going to have him. So I'm I'm glad that I spent you know, sometimes maybe not the most uh fun and fulfilling time um if we were in the hospital or the ER or whatever, but but I'm so glad I had that time with him. But after he passed away, it 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 just, you know, I mean, I'd look around the house and like, what am I doing? Like what, like, yes, I still have a husband and I still have Charlie and Cooper, but like, what am I doing? Because he was a hundred percent, you know, 24 seven my life, you know, for three years. Yeah.
1: I cannot imagine that adjustment period. And more than a period and probably still is sometimes you look around and can't believe can't believe it
0: yeah yeah <laughs> it it's, it's uh, i know it's many days and i'm sure you may you may feel this in a different way um with what you've endured too but many days it still feels very surreal like this isn't really my life like I I ha- just haven't woke up from this nightmare, but that it didn't really happen, you
1: know, like. Mm-hmm. Like an out of body. Yeah. Experience. It, yeah. yeah. For me, it's infrequent, but it's mm-hmm. like, it, and it's okay, I think to say like, I can't believe that that happened. Right. Because you're not living in denial, but you can, I mean, sometimes you need to, you need to think about it and. You know, not going through the motions, I think, is a blessing. You know, grieving over a lifetime and with faith, I think that that's something that you can do. But sometimes it's just gonna hit you, and you just gotta take a step back and like, oh yeah, wait, that that did. So I can only imagine losing a child. I, I can't imagine. I well, I at the end, okay. So we'll rewind, but fast forward to leading up to when crew passed away because you said that he kept defying the odds and super crew. And did you know, Oh, Oh, wow. Okay. Now this, this is his time is near or how did that play out at the end?
0: So, um, at the very end, I'd say, I know we spent his third birthday in the hospital. So most of August, And then into September, he was hospitalized in 2017. And I honestly, I couldn't even tell you, I think it was a really bad seizure. He did have epilepsy. He had intractable epilepsy. So basically what that means is it's very hard to manage. And even though he was on several seizure meds every day and even rescue seizure meds, he still had these horrible seizures um, that seemed to honestly get worse as he got older Um, and he would hold his breath. So there would be color changes. um, And he was on monitors a lot of times, even at home. So you would hear alarms go off when that happened. So I think that is what took us to the hospital that last time and he also had um chronic lung disease too so he he would get pneumonia and all kinds of all kinds of pneumonia just all the time so with that last hospitalization we originally we were admitted to the ICU the pediatric ICU or the PICU um which is never good to go from the ER to the PICU like straight there but we had been there before so they take him there he actually after Maybe about a week, a little less, went to the regular floor, which was really good. You know, it's kind of like um, you're you're moving in the right direction. You know, uh, one step closer to possibly being discharged home. But then he went back to the PICU, um, and I think at that point when he went back to the PICU, the doctors kind of came in and started just spouting all this information to me and I remember calling Scott and saying you need to come here now and he I think he answered the phone and he was like hey I'm I'm in a big meeting and I was like I don't care you need to come here now and he was like okay I'm on my way because they were just saying all this stuff and I wasn't even listening or retaining any of it at that point because I think I knew how bad it was you know I knew we were going back to the PICU You was he even ever going to leave the PICU? You know, was he even, were were we even going to be able to ever take him home again? So that became my, my newest mission is once we were in the PICU and they started talking about, you know, hospice and what, what that looked like and where we wanted him to be. I, I said, I know there's ways you can you can figure this out and I really need him to be able to go home. Yeah, we can bring his brothers here to visit, but it's not the same when you're in the hospital. So we somehow managed, even though he was on this high flow heated oxygen that you supposedly couldn't get to have at home, we somehow ambulance tramp. transportation to the house and um, got him home. And I think that was, that was on a Friday, late on a Friday. And then that next Monday is um, when he passed away. So we didn't have him home for too long, but we did get him home. And, you know, I remember the hospice nurse saying to me, she said, Mandy, I've seen, I've seen a lot of a lot of deaths unfortunately in her job that she's seen many of them and she said they're not all they're not all how you would necessarily imagine them but she said this was absolutely beautiful we had a whole bunch of family here his his favorite nurses ended up coming here we had all these hospice you know whole hospice team was in our house um They, like, took over my dining room. I remember looking over and being like, I feel like some huge event is about to happen. But it was just all, they were all just, you know, working on how to best, you know, help and manage crew at that point. And uh, even Father Pat got here. So in the weirdest, oddest way, you know, seeing your child die and pass away, it was ultimately done in the most beautiful way. Which, again, I know probably maybe doesn't make a lot of sense to a lot of people, but, you know, it it really truly was beautiful. Um, you know, Scott and I were just each laying on either side of him and it was just very peaceful and very beautiful.
1: I don't suppose many people have imagined or could imagine, but it doesn't sound crazy. I mean, if you're going to lose your child, that it sounds like, um, a, a beautiful way, you know, and he knew that how much you loved him and how much Scott loved him and the boys. And he taught you, he taught you so much. And you can share what he taught you with others, and that's making such a big impact. I just – I think so highly of all of you. I I wish that we could have recorded before we started when Charlie was helping you on the computer <laughs> just because we just had some hiccups, like, just getting started recording, and he's so patient and sweet and kind. And I know some of that has to come from learning whatever he learned from Crew. I just have to believe that. Yep. I he- mean –
0: I know my Charlie, he, goodness, I have him because this is not my, my forte at all technology. Not at all. <laughs> and, uh, he, just, he just knows it, but he is so patient with me. Um, and he never, never once, neither, neither Charlie or Cooper ever once ever really showed frustration or really anything with crew. I mean, they really didn't. They were, and I don't think you could honestly with that child. I mean, crew just, you could never be mad at him. I mean, he just, he was just only goodness, you know? I mean, you couldn't help, but just not want to love and wrap your arms around him, you know? Um, and I know he's my, he's my child. So of course I think that, but Everybody that met him just fell in love with him and you know I think Charlie and Cooper I, th- I think that taught them a lot and I think it will continue to teach them throughout life you know they'll always remember they'll always remember their brother of course, but I think what he taught them and how he was and what he endured and how he handled it. I think and I hope that they will always use that in life to get through, you know, all all the good and the bad times.
1: Absolutely. If you're going to go through something like this, that's I mean, we always try to look for the good and and that that is having that having the memory of him in their hearts and everything you just said, like, I can't think of a more valuable way to add to life than to let crew continue to live through how you treat people and how you live your life and I could go on and on obviously no problem doing that but I I really want our listeners to hear about crew's crew because I think it's so awesome and I hope you don't mind telling telling everybody about what it is and, and what it does and how it helps you
0: yeah, of course. So right after kind of how it started even or how, you know, you don't think I never thought, oh, after a crew, you know, passes away, I'm going to, you know, start something. You know, my mind never went there, um, of course. But um, sitting after after he passed away, we were sitting. I remember we were sitting with the funeral director and um some people from the cemetery and i remember uh the funeral director saying like okay um like do you want to set up uh like a foundation or something um in crew's honor and i was like what like what kind of question is that like i, I don't i don't even know like where i am right now you know how, how can i even answer that question and Scott and I kind of looked at each other and we were like, okay, you know, but we didn't really know. We had no idea what we were really doing or what that would even look like. But people want to do things after someone passes away and, you know, whether it be meals or flowers or prayers or mass intentions um, or sending money, what, whatever it is, they just want want to do something. And that's all very greatly appreciated because, you know, it's with only good intentions, but like, what do you do? What do you do when you're getting these checks from people? So we just put it all into an account. And, um, eventually over time, like after we kind of had been able to think about it a little bit more and going through what we did with Charlie and Cooper and kind of seeing, How can we help them or what is out there to help them or what, what makes sense for our family? I realized just searching that there really isn't a lot and there really isn't anything specifically dedicated to siblings of child loss. There just isn't. And so I was like, okay, that's, that's what this needs to be about. It needs to be about his siblings and all of those siblings that have experienced this at whatever age, because there's there's not there's not anything out there for them. Yes, you know people can go to therapy and and there's a lot of loss organizations, but specific to sibling loss, we we didn't find anything. So that's when Crews Crew became what it is. And so it's really to honor, it's really to honor crew, of course, but also to honor Charlie and Cooper and all those brothers and sisters um, that are unfortunately in this club um, that no one wants to be in and no one can imagine. And I hope one day, it's still very, very small, but I hope one day, you know, it can be, it can be helpful even to even to one one person or one family out there.
1: That's so, so cool. And there is a website, so I can stick that in the show notes if anybody wants to learn how they can help to make it bigger, make it what it should be. I I, I know that it can be. I, I have talked before about the Family Lives On organization that Connor and Danny, um, actually, they just got their last packages because it got so big that i mean they were doing like if you lost your mom or dad when you were one you got these mom and dad packages uh, until you were 18 but it's it got so big that now it's a 5 year limit and oh, wow. we've hit that so i know that i know that this is something that could be huge and so so amazingly helpful um it's such even though there should be no good feelings affiliated with loss, feeling a little less alone helps mm-hmm. And just knowing that you're not alone. and I think that I I mean, I obviously I knew about it and then of course I read more about it and I encourage anybody listening to you know learn as much as they can about it and and do what you can. Oftentimes, I think people want to help. Someone or something, and don't know what to do, and so this is the the kind of thing that could help so many kids who have lost a sibling um, to honor them and to help them deal with their grief and their 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 new life. That's so hard because yeah. it's you go from I have two brothers to it. Kind of depends, I'm sure.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Losing a sister. I if I meet a stranger I just say I have two sisters but otherwise it's you know it's it's always it's always there it's it's not the same for everyone it's not the same as losing a child or losing a parent or any of that but I think when you try to help others who have gone through the worst that you've gone through like that's such a beautiful thing and I told you if you were crying that we could take a break. But, of course, I'm the one. Aww. That's But just thinking about crew and so cute. And his bibs were always so cute. And such beautiful eyes. He, he did have quite a wardrobe. Always so handsome. And I will – I have photos. I'll, of course, um, share them in the show notes and make sure, Mandy, that the ones that – I love you love too but such a special little boy who taught so many people so much and I'll never forget about a year ago when we were moving I texted Mandy because I was helping pack up some things and if you've never listened to this podcast before and you're listening because you hope to gain something from Mandy my oldest two are technically my sister's biological boys and my sister passed away almost six years ago so her oldest our oldest connor is a classmate of mandy's cousin yeah Mm -hmm. so but i was still a little surprised because he's not a sentimental child in the least unless it's to do with sports and as i was packing and collecting his things i found cruz prayer card and i just could not contain myself. I thought how special. And, and I said, okay, I have a pile here. So go through it and make sure what you don't want you put here. And so then I went back through the pile of the things he wanted to keep and he wanted to keep that. And I thought, oh, the child has, this teenager has a heart after
0: all. <laughs> that <sighs> me that, that, that meant so much to me. Like it was just, I want everybody to even if they didn't know crew i want everyone to know about crew like the person he was and is i hate saying was still like that that bothers me but um i want i want everyone to know about him and so when you sent that to me i was just like especially with what connor you know has has gone through too in his life and i know how boys and especially teenage boys can be and they don't really let a lot in and they don't really put a lot out there. So that was super meaningful.
1: Yeah. And if and Mandy knows Connor enough and if you know Connor at all, that does it, it you go wow, you know, that's a really beautiful thing. It it really is. And in some ways, you know, Cruz looking out for for them and for not just your family, but so many people and and so I love that you shared that that part about the the little piece of heaven because I think that's such a beautiful summary of of what he served, pun intended. Slice <laughs> all of us, but then how he can be remembered forever. He is
0: for sure. Just we none of us know. You know we can only imagine. We don't really know exactly what heaven looks like, but I can definitely picture it way more now with my little buddy there but i
1: think he was he was sent down on a mission as well absolutely i love that way of looking at things and i'm so thankful that you were able to share all of this and if there's any other anything else you'd like to say to parents or mothers who you know have terminally ill children or children similar to crew you know you just don't really know what's coming, what's next. If you would like to say anything, please feel free. I came across, gotta love
0: social media, right? I came across one of those memories. I think it was on Instagram the other day. And I don't even know what what had happened necessarily, but the caption was that it had been a tough day or a tough week. Um, so probably a hospitalization or or something of of that effect for crew. And it was actually May. So it was three years ago, May of 2017. So it would have been like four months before crew passed away. And uh, he's asleep in his crib. It's a picture of him asleep in his crib. He's got his oxygen on. He's got Hannah Anderson pajama, uh, banana pajamas on. And he's got his little Bigfoot guy that he slept with while I kind of tucked it under his arm and I basically said even those tough days or a tough week or whatever it is you put on your banana jams and you tuck in your big foot and you just handle it you do it you just get through that day and that's always kind of been our motto even with crew here because we couldn't think more than one day at a time but even still now that is what I always say, you know, we, we get through today and then we worry about tomorrow when tomorrow comes like one day at a time, we'll figure today out. We, we will, we will figure it out. We will get through it together and then we will tackle tomorrow when it comes. And so that's, that's probably my biggest advice is just, and being in the moment, you know, enjoying, like enjoying each day, even with the hardships of crews, like medical issues. We still have amazing memories of days where maybe we just go on a family walk or we went on a vacation and maybe they told us, Oh, you know, crew crew maybe shouldn't go on a vacation because we're sick. No, we're taking them on a vacation and we're enjoying all of those times as a family, you know, so that would be my advice to, one day at a time, be in the moment and do the
1: vacations and do the things. Don't, don't not do them. I love that so much. That was such a beautiful way to wrap this up. People need to know that you can go through what you've gone through and keep living. So yeah, might as well wear your banana, banana jams (laughs) if you got them. (laughs) And you just get through it, right? You just get through it. Well, okay, Mandy, this was amazing. And I feel so honored that you've shared your heart with us. I will, I'm going to write up a little summary in the show notes and so that people can see Crew and about Crew's crew. And really, you need to see the pictures. There's um, a family photo since Crew passed away, yet. Somehow, Cruz still in it. So you'll have to, you'll just have to head over to the show notes and check it out. Um, I think sometimes putting a face to a name, it's just it, it brings you peace a little bit to just sort of know, okay, this is the child that maybe is going to be in my prayers now, or maybe you know someone who's lost someone and their sibling, if their sibling, and they need whatever. So you never know who this will help, and I'm sure it will help a lot. So thank you so much, Mandy.